invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. We're not going to read the entire account. We'll split it up over the next, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, Lord willing. And uh, we're going to look at uh, just the circumstances that, that Nebuchadnezzar was under, having a dream that was troubling him, and how Daniel was given uh, the dream and its interpretation. And next week we'll look a little bit more at what the, the content uh, was of the dream. But today we, we set the scene. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. 
Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. May God add his blessings to the reading and hearing of his word this morning. Well, I read a statistic one time that said we receive more information in a day that a person living in the 1750s received in their entire lifetime. Today, in 2013, we receive more information in one day than a person living in the 1750s received in their entire lifetime. That's a lot of information. Well, we get a lot of information, especially now that we have uh, the Internet and we can instantaneously get any information that we want and probably more information than we do want or need. Uh, But the question is, what is this information saying to us? Well, most of the information that we encounter is seeking to influence our opinions, how we think about things or feel about things. It's seeking to influence our decisions, especially what to buy. Uh, We live in a a materialistic uh, uh, world and and, uh, culture and we're always told to we we must have this cell phone or that car or or these clothes or whatever product they're trying to sell to us. We're we're uh, these 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 voices these these uh, uh, these opinions and and uh, influences that we encounter from day to day are trying to get us to make decisions about the vote, how how we should vote and what we should believe, what we should think and how, what are our opinions about things. And then a lot of it is just useless information. How much useless information concerning trivial things that we receive, like sports. You think of how much analysis goes into every sporting event, much more than 30 years ago. I mean, People are speculating about the the upcoming football season and who's going to be the starting quarterback and who's going to be uh, the winner of each division and so on and so forth. Things that they have no way of knowing but want to talk about incessantly. And all this information comes to us fresh and new on a daily basis, bombarding us constantly. And our minds are filled with hundreds of voices seeking to influence us on a daily basis. 
Now, as we are studying the book of Daniel, we are asking ourselves, how do we live for Christ in a hostile environment? Daniel and his companions lived for the Lord in ungodly Babylon. As we read through the New Testament, Babylon becomes a symbol of kingdoms that are aligned against God's kingdom. So Babylon was a very wicked place, and we see Daniel, as we read through this book, that Daniel had a profound impact on not only the empire of Babylon, but as we continue to study, we will see that he had an impact in the kingdom of Persia as well. So two world powers, world empires, Daniel lived for God and had an impact upon that. He was bombarded with information just like we are. Of course, he didn't have the internet, but he had people trying to influence him. Last week, we looked at chapter 1, and we saw that he and his companions were brought to Babylon in order to learn the literature and language of the Chaldeans. We also saw that their diet was changed, and also that their names were changed from their Hebrew names to Babylonian names. Have you ever noticed that most all Hebrew names either end in El, like Daniel, or Ah, uh, like Isaiah, or Jonah? Well, the El and the Ah are short for names for God. El being Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God, and Yah being the short form of Yahweh, which is God's personal name. So, for example, Daniel, his name meant God is my judge, Hananiah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their, their Babylonian names, but these three guys were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah meant Yahweh has favored. Mishael is actually a question. Who is what God is? And Azariah, his name means Yahweh has helped. So the Babylonians... Uh, wanted those names to be gone because every time those names were, were spoken, it reminded these young men of their roots. It reminded them of the God that they had been brought up to serve and to follow. And the, Babylon, the Babylonians did not want that. In fact, it tells us here that Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar. Well, Bel is one of the Babylonian gods. Abednego it includes one of the, the Babylonian gods called Nego. So they were trying to influence these young men and to get them to leave their faithful God and follow the ways and the gods of the Babylonians. This information they received was pointing them away from their God and their people and the way of life that God had revealed to them as the right way to live. It sounds a lot like our day and time as we are bombarded with information that reflects values that are contrary, even hostile, to the values of Christ and his kingdom. It's easy for us to begin to listen to the wrong voices. We're bombarded with so many, and soon we find that our values have changed, and then the church becomes indistinguishable from the world around it. I mean, we can see this happening before our very eyes well, the Babylonians were doing this, trying to influence these young uh, Hebrews. 
And that's what's happening in our day as well. So what can we learn from Daniel about navigating through our lives in this, in this, in this culture with all these ungodly influences and maintain our faithfulness to the Lord? That's the question that's before us today. Well, here, let's look at uh, what's actually happening here in the text. In verse 1, we find out that Nebuchadnezzar had these troubling dreams. He was so troubled by what he had dreamt that he was unable to sleep. So he summons his advisors, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. Who were all these people? Uh, They were professional diviners. It is important to note that they were not prophets or seers. There's a distinction. Seers or prophets, they received revelation from God. The prophets, we know, were, they were the mouthpiece of God. They received a message from God and they spoke it to the people, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and others. But these men were not prophets or seers. They were diviners. Uh, a diviner dealt with omens. They did not receive revelation, rather. They sought to interpret revelation. Divination is where the so-called gods inform humans through the diviner's interpretation of dreams or the stars, sheep's livers, uh, abnormal births, things like that. The diviner has to have some material with which to work. So if you came up to him with a sheep's liver, he would look at that thing and tell you what the future held. Bring him a two-headed ox calf, and then he could really show you something, tell you something about what what the gods had in store for you. The Babylonians actually had reference books of dreams. And these dream manuals listed all these historic dream and events that followed them and arranged them systematically for easy reference. They were serious about this stuff. The principle that they believed was that dreams and their sequels followed an empirical law which could be discovered if they were given enough data. The term Chaldean is just a certain group of these diviners. Uh, It originally referred to a a segment of the Babylonian population that lived in a certain area, but later it came to designate uh, an expert in divination because the people who were Chaldeans were the best of the best. They were the best at looking at sheep's livers and telling you what the future held. They were the best uh, at interpreting dreams and things like that. That's why in chapter 1 it says that Daniel and his friends were trained for three years in the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Daniel became one of these advisors. He was one of these experts. Uh, Of course, he was more than that. We'll get to that in a moment. So Nebuchadnezzar has summoned all these diviners to him. But there was one problem. He could not or would not tell them his dream. He would not give them material with which they could work. And that's they keep asking him, give us the dream, and we'll be glad to tell you what it means. But he could not or would not do that. All their books and learning were of no use without the dream. Now, maybe you, 
maybe you can understand what Nebuchadnezzar had happened to Nebuchadnezzar. You, you've ever had a nightmare and you woke up with all these feelings of panic, uh, maybe a fear, and then when you're fully awake, you, you can't remember what the dream was even about. You just remember the feelings that you had. Maybe that's what's going on with Nebuchadnezzar. Or maybe he just wouldn't tell them the dream because he was trying to test them. And there seems to be some indication of that. Verse 8, the king says, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change, till, till some other king comes in. You're just trying to put me off. And you're actually not advising me in the right way. So he's giving them, maybe he's giving them a test. Or maybe he just doesn't know the dream. Either way, these advisors and all the wise men of Babylon are facing death because there's no way in the world that they can tell the king his dream. And they admit it. Verse 10, they answered and said to the king, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. No great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. What's his dream? God only knows, they say. Well, Daniel faces death also and his friends because he is included in this class of trained wise men. And Nebuchadnezzar is so upset, and he's a bit of a megalomaniac, as we will see as we continue to study Daniel. Uh, he's just going to have them all put to death. Kill them all. Wipe them out. They're useless. He's so upset with his dream that he's projecting it onto these wise men of Babylon. Now, this leads me to some of the things that I want to highlight for you today. I've given you an outline there that you can see. And the first one is this. True wisdom is not found in human resources. Now, you think about Nebuchadnezzar for a moment. Uh, he had supreme earthly human power. And as we'll see next week, this dream that he had actually says that about Nebuchadnezzar. Because this is this dream of a statue, and you know, each each empire uh, is symbolized. Four great empires are symbolized by the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And that's what the dream was all about. The most powerful of those kingdoms, according to the dream from God, is that the Babylonians were the most powerful of all those nations. Now you think about the Greeks, and we know a lot about the Romans, and well, they were a very, very powerful empire, the Roman Empire was. Well, ba Babylon was even greater, and Nebuchadnezzar was the king of that, the greatest king of that empire. So you talk about human resources. Nebuchadnezzar, he had every human resource possible. He had all these advisors, the brightest, the best, the Chaldeans, and people like Daniel and his friends. They were in that position because they were some of the brightest and the best from, from Jerusalem. Yet none of them could help him. As they said in verse 10, there's, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. No man can reveal the future. Sports analysts, back to them. They try with all their predictions and, you know, to, to tell you how many games this team's going to win and, and they talk about who the starting quarterback's going to be for this or that team. And, but there's really no way they can know for certain. You know, the golf championship is uh, 
probably about to tee off here, or maybe it's already going on, the PGA Championship. And I'm sure analysts have been spending all night talking about who might win. Will it be Jason Duffner or Adam Scott? And here's the reasons why, and they talk incessantly about these things. And what the conditions of the course are, and they're trying to predict who the winner will be. Why don't they just wait and see? Because no man can reveal the future. There's no way they can know for sure. Somebody might come out of the blue and win this thing. Uh, it's all up in the air. No man knows what is hidden in the human mind and heart. Nebuchadnezzar's advisors were of no source of advice or wisdom for him. Now, to us, how do we navigate this world and live wisely? To whom are we listening? What is influencing us? Are we settling for human wisdom when we have divine wisdom at our disposal? Are we depending on human wisdom and insight or God's wisdom and insight? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have advisors or counselors. They can be a good thing, and the Bible commends them to us as long as they get their wisdom from God, as long as they're true to God's Word. But too often, we are influenced by the, the many voices around us who are not godly advisors and influencers, and we need to be careful about that. Human resources are not true. That's not where we find true wisdom. We have it actually at our disposal. And that brings me to the second thing that I want to point out to you, that true wisdom is found in a relationship with God. I have a, a quote on the front of the bulletin you can read along with me if you'd like to, from Tremper Longman, who's an Old Testament scholar. He says this in his commentary on Daniel, Only God's wisdom can reveal the mysteries of life. Human wisdom falls short. The divine origin of wisdom means that at its foundation, wisdom is not a lesson to be learned, but a relationship to be enjoyed. True wisdom is not the result of years of reading or even living life. Rather, true wisdom is the result of a relationship, a relationship with the God who created and rules over the world, the one who holds wisdom, the one who holds the future in his hand. That's from whom we need to seek wisdom, and that, of course, makes sense. Why would we go to a human resource? Humans don't know anything. The Bible tells us we can have a relationship with this God. Now, once Daniel uh, has the mystery revealed from God, look at what he says about God in verse 20. He blesses the God of heaven, saying, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Why would we turn anywhere else but the Lord for wisdom to live in these difficult days? Why would we listen to the voices that bombard us on a daily basis, which are actually distracting us from the truth? The God of whom Daniel says is the one to whom belong wisdom and might. He's the one who changes times and seasons and removes kings and sets up kings. He who gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He is the one who reveals deep and hidden things, who knows what is in the darkness and the one with whom light dwells. This God has made himself available to us. Through a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. We have that kind of opportunity to know and to navigate through life with wisdom because he has revealed himself to us and made himself available to us for a relationship. Daniel had a relationship with God, and we see that. How does that, how does that result in wisdom for his life? Well, two points. Those who have a relationship with God speak to him, and those who have a relationship with God listen to him. And really, that's a great test. If you have a relationship with another human being, and you don't speak to them or listen to them, then you don't have a relationship with that person. Or it's a broken relationship, or a relationship that's not operating. You know, when you have a relationship, and the closer that relationship is, the more you talk to them, and the more you listen to them, the more you communicate with them. And that's what we're talking about here. How do you know if you've got a relationship with the Lord? You speak to Him, and you listen to Him. You look at Daniel. Where does he turn in his crisis? He doesn't go looking for sheep's livers, or two-headed cows, or, or, or anything else. Verse 14. He, he is, encounters Arioch, who's come to kill him, uh, and he asks Arioch what the deal is. And he tells Arioch, look, go to the king, tell him to give me some time, and we'll see what we can do. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the manner known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed and the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So the first thing that Daniel does when encountering this crisis, when his life is in danger, he doesn't, return, he doesn't go to any other wisdom. He falls on his knees and tells his friends to fall on his knees and he seeks for wisdom from God. And verse 19 tells us that the mystery was re revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Daniel had been trained in, in all the, the language and learning of the Chaldeans, but he went to God in prayer in his time of crisis. Daniel had a relationship with God, and therefore he spoke to him about his problem, and that's natural. Who doesn't speak to their closest friends about their problems? James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a promise from God. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what Daniel did, because he had a relationship with God. And he received uh, understanding, he received what he was looking for, because he went to God for it. So he spoke to him, but he also listened to him. Verse 19 tells us the, the mystery was revealed to him. Daniel received a revelation from God in a dream. God had given him that ability. Well, thankfully, we don't have to pray and wait for a dream to tell us the answer to our problems. We have it all written down for us and bound together in a handy little package that we can take with us wherever we go. And if you've got a smartphone, you don't even have to take the book with you. They'll email it to you daily. God's wisdom, God's word given to you. See, we have God's revelation right there for us. And if we don't go to that, it's nobody's fault but our own. He's, 
He's preserved it through the ages, providentially making sure that his people understood his will, understood how they can have a relationship with him, understood everything that they need to know for life and godliness. It's all right there in his word. And those who have a relationship with him listen to him. They don't always speak to him in prayer, but they listen to his word. Are you listening to God's word? Now, Daniel received this revelation from God in a dream, but we have his word. Daniel also recognized his utter dependence on God's wisdom, and and that's important too, because we have to recognize that it's not us. We tend to to give ourselves credit when we we do something right. Uh, When we make a wise decision, we say, yeah, look at me. Hey, I, I, I got it right. Excellent. I'm a pretty smart guy. That's not what Daniel did. Daniel received this revelation from God. Uh, he could have strolled into Nebuchadnezzar and said, Now, Nebuchadnezzar, what's your problem? You know, what, what's going on here? You know, here, let me tell you what the issue is, and I'll, I'll sort it all out for you. You know, he could have come in all cocky and arrogant, but no, he does not do that. Nebuchadnezzar asked him, are, are you going to tell me the dream and its interpretation? And he says, No, wise man enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. I get, nobody can do that. But there is a God in heaven who can. He's the one who reveals mystery, and he's done that. He has made it known to the king. So he gives all glory to God. He recognizes that he doesn't have his own human wisdom. Everything that he has is a gift from the Lord. Verse 30, he says, As for me, This mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king. So he humbly relied upon God, and that's what we need to do. Humbly rely upon God's word to guide us in our lives. And when you have a relationship with God, well, you speak to God, and you listen to his word, because that's how he's revealed himself to us in these days. Now, in conclusion, just look at what one of the advisors say in verse 10 and 11. Well, verse 11, where he says, you know, nobody can show the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. You know, you're asking something that only gods can do you, and they they don't live around here. But we have a God who did come in the flesh. He came in the flesh, and he dwelt among us. The word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why did He he do that? So that He could have a relationship with us. So He could reveal Himself to us, so that that we could know Him, and, and that we could listen to Him, and speak to Him, and be His followers. He did that, out of his mercy and his grace. And if we want to have a relationship with him, all we have to do is reach out to him and speak to him and pray to him and listen to his word and recognize our own shortcomings and and turn from those and ask the Lord to heal us and to help us and to guide us and direct us and and to be our God like he was Daniel's God. He came and put on flesh and died on the cross for us so that we could have that privilege. What a great God we serve that has done all these wonderful things for us. May he encourage your hearts as you seek to live for him in these days. Let's pray together.